Hi, and welcome to the five minute check-in. So today we're gonna to focus on AFib, in particular, the use of ablation for treating AFib. And to help me in this conversation today, I have Dr. Arash Ariana, who is a cardiac electrophysiologist and director of the Greater Sacramento Cardiovascular Service Line and director of the Cardiac EP Lab at Mercy General Hospital in Sacramento. Arash, thanks for joining me today. Good morning, Tom, it's a pleasure to be here. Great. Well, let's jump right into this. What, what I'd like to do first, though, is just give the audience a little sense of, you know, who you are and what you're doing for us in in uh, in, in Sacramento right now. Um, Tom, I'm uh, as you mentioned, I'm a cardiac electrophysiologist, and I've been in Sacramento since 2008, and I do um, a fair bit of catheter ablations for AFib, and uh, I'm also engaged in uh, various research, research studies and clinical trials of uh, AFib ablation. Yeah, you're kind of understating that a little bit. You really have been a pioneer in AFib and and, and ablation therapy and published extensively in that. So it's so it's really great to, to have a moment to chat with you. Um, you know, so I was flipping through JAMA and I saw this interesting article on, uh, you know, the approach to ablation. It really, it's one or two and uh, forms of ablation for my simple internist mind. And um so why don't we talk a little bit about, you know, the background of why this study was performed in the first place, and, and then maybe we could talk about the clinical trial itself. Uh, great. Uh, so pulmonary vein isolation, as you know, Tom, uh, remains the cornerstone of AFib ablation, and it offers about a 50% relative risk reduction in its long-term recurrences. Uh, and this appears to be independent of the type of atrial fibrillation, be it paroxysmal or persistent. But specifically, the success rates associated with persistent AFib ablation have been generally lower, about 60% at about one year, and this further tends to decline to about 20% at about five years. So what was done in this trial was folks were randomized to either getting receiving uh, pulmonary vein isolation or having pulmonary vein isolation done in addition to ablation of the posterior wall using a specific method called, called the posterior box approach. Got it. So... Here we are trying to enhance, you know, the amount of people that stay in in uh, in normal sinus rhythm after the ablation by adding a second treatment uh, to the posterior wall, and the method was a box uh, procedure. So, why don't we why don't we just quickly give the audience a quick overview? Of how many patients were randomized, and what was the outcome? Yeah, so three hundred and thirty eight patients were randomized to either pulmonary vein isolation or pulmonary vein isolation with the posterior box approach. And they were followed long-term. The outcomes uh, were evaluated up to 12 months of uh, follow-up. And the study showed no significant difference between one mm. strategy versus the other. So, you know, randomized controlled trial, nicely done um, and unusual uh, to see a negative publication, you know, published. So this got a lot of attention uh, in the media. And um, now you, you and I have talked about this. You have a little bit of concerns and it's mostly the type of the second procedure that was done, the method in that posterior wall, the box procedure, and you're arguing that there's other data to support another way of doing this that's more, more impactful. Why don't you tell us about that? So that's correct. Uh, this is a very consistent, in fact, with a variety of other studies that have been published to date, demonstrating that, in fact, the posterior box isolation approach is not only um, acutely non-successful in most cases, but also not, not long-term durable. Uh, various studies have shown that the durability of a uh, posterior box isolation is only about 40 to 45%. And this has been also looked at by various meta-analyses that have shown that uh, the posterior box isolation approach is in fact not as effective as the direct ablation of the posterior wall strategy, 
which seems to hold more promise. Uh, and the successes have been generally greater with that approach than the poster box strategy. Interesting. So, so why don't we kind of help the audience think about what the take-home lesson is from a clinical standpoint, uh, you know, on this, this, this trial, which was again, really well designed. Um, so what is it, what is it, does it change anything you do or does it reinforce your current practice and your recommendations to your colleagues throughout Common Spirit? I think it once again reiterates that PVI against PVI plus posture isolation is no different. Therefore, uh, the posture box isolation strategy, in my opinion, is not uh, a, a preferred strategy. And what is the preferred strategy for the posterior wall? Just to be clear on that. Great question. And that's something that still remains to be determined, but there are studies on, ongoing to further evaluate in a prospective manner whether direct ablation of the posterior wall is in fact superior to, uh, to, this, to this strategy. Great. You know, the one thing I like to emphasize as a, as a general internist who sees and treats a lot of patients with AFib is that regardless of whether the folks, you know, go through the ablation and are back in sinus rhythm, they still need to be on their, their adequate blood thinner. Is that, you just can just want to restate that. Is that true? Absolutely. And that's something that has to be really uh, titrated to the CHADS VASC risk score. Great. Well, Rush, fascinating conversation. I really appreciate the amazing leadership you bring to Common Spirit in this space as a national thought leader. Really, really appreciate all your hard work and uh, hope we'll have you back on the five-minute check-in soon. So thanks again for joining us today, Dr. Ariana. It's always a fascinating and evolving field of ablation therapy in the area of AFib, and that added a lot of clarity. So lastly, I want to mention that the Vision Awards for the Physician Enterprise are now open. Remember, there are three categories, nominations for inspiration, innovation, and compassion. So please consider nominating a colleague or a team member who you know has advanced clinical care through improved workflows or innovative ideas that embody compassion or who simply inspire others. Also, you can submit publications for the academic award. Nominations are due by December 15th. So thank you for joining me once again in the five-minute check-in, and I'll see you in two weeks.